My name is Phil Balabanos, and you are listening to Fill My Hole, or you're watching Fill My Hole. I'm not sure which one you've chosen to do today. And I want to start with this. I'm sorry. I do apologize for basically ghosting everyone who follows this program. Um, it has been a whirlwind of a ride getting ready to move. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I sold my condo. And the housing market went to shit about five days after we signed the deal. And we haven't found a new place. I mean, it's, it's that simple. We have not found a new place. And not because we're being picky or not because we don't have money to put down. Simply because, I mean, I don't even know why, to be honest. It's just every house that lists looks like um, multiple murders were committed in it. So it doesn't look like the right place to raise a family. Also, we don't really want to leave the city, so that's kind of been a problem because prices in the city have gone crazy. And, and I won't get into that too much now. I just Basically, what we've been doing is because during the week we both work and we have a, a, a baby at home uh, and another one in daycare, we haven't been able to pack because the baby gets into everything. She's, she's a rascal. Uh, <laughs> so on the weekends, we've been packing, slowly but surely putting stuff into storage so that we can bunk up with my parents again. <laughs> And yeah, I'm as excited about that as you can imagine me to be at, at 34 and a half years old. Um, so that, that's where I've been. Uh, I've just I've been having a hard time finding the time to do stuff that isn't packing, transporting, childcare, or working. And podcasting does not fall into those things, even though I feel like it should be considered work. I think I'm going to consider it work now. That way I have to do it. The reason I'm able to now is because now that the, the curfew has been pushed back, thank you, Daddy Lugo, um, and I meant that with all the sarcasm and all the vitriol I could put into that statement, now that the uh, now I can be out past dark, I have time once we've had dinner with the girls, my kids and my wife, I can now leave and not have to rush back before I have to explain myself to the authorities. And uh, that's where we're at. So... Um, I'm sorry. I will try harder to keep this uh, to keep a schedule. Uh, it, it's been tricky. I'm not gonna lie. And uh, maybe at some point in the future, when I have a home, I'll have a home studio too. Not that I'm complaining. My studio here is better than what I ever thought I'd have, to be honest. So I shouldn't be greedy that I don't have one at home, also. Um, but it'd be nice to have a second studio in case. You know, I'm, I'm just saying. So one of the things I wanted to go on about today and rant about was Bill C-10. Uh, for those of you who don't know, read about it. Uh, but it seems as though my complaints, and not mine, but a lot of Canadians, has not fallen on deaf ears. Because it looks like I just read an article uh, hours before I came in today. A decision was made by the Liberal government. Let's see what it says here. After criticism over Bill C-10, Liberals vowed to make it clear CRTC will not regulate social media posts. Now... What does that mean? I don't think it actually means anything, but I'm going to wait to see what they come back with before I go on a rant about it. I think they're just using clever wording to mask something else because they're, they're not putting this in because they're gonna. Be, no, sorry. Let me, let, me, let me say this properly because words are important, uh, how you phrase things. They aren't saying they won't regulate what we post on social media and they won't infringe our freedom of speech. Even though in the Charter itself, Section 2B of the Charter, which is the freedom of speech and expression, is mentioned multiple times as though it will not be 
uh, obstructed. I mean, it's not, that's not the right word, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, my concern is that they're just saying the CRTC won't. Now, I have not read this bill myself. I mean, I've read parts of it. I remember reading it eight months ago or six months ago when it first came out. Like, I sat down and I went through it because, I mean, I don't do this with every bill. It's, I got better, better things to do. Um, but this one directly affects my work, my hobbies, you know, like I'm on YouTube a lot. So, and I mean, a lot of the videos I do produce do fall under CRTC jurisdiction if, if there was something wrong with it. So I had read it. I don't remember anything standing out to me aside from the fact that I think it's an unnecessary bill for the most part. Uh, but now that they're saying they're going to, they're going to change something again, there's going to be an amendment. Like I saw the heritage minister, uh, Guibault, or Guilbeault, I don't know if he's actually French-Canadian. Uh, I'm not sure how he pronounces it. I've never paid attention. But he said, he gave an interview, which, I mean, I invite you to find this interview because it is, it is some of the hardest television or media I've ever had to watch because they're asking him a question and most of his responses consist of... Uh, um, uh, 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 and you can take that two ways. I mean, three. One, and that's the third one that I just added, is how hilarious it was to watch and cringy. Uh, two, he really is just so flabbergasted by the fact that we're all making such a, a ruckus about something that is not something. We're making something out of nothing. Uh, what's the expression? A mountain out of a molehill. And we're reading too deep into this and calling for you know, an end to censorship. So that's, that's one. I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying that's one way you could take it. Or the other is he really has no way to say without actually saying we want to make sure we can fucking gag order you. So this is what we're doing. Like It's either he doesn't want to say the truth or he's just so blown away by all of us going down the rabbit hole. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I rarely know with any degree of certainty what the fuck is going on. I'm not going to lie. I, I've never pretended to be like, that's what's happening. If anything, I annoy people mostly because I'll argue against my own position often and I'll, like for a while, like I'll go on because I'm never sure. I mean, even take COVID, for example, there are days where I just don't know that I believe any of the fucking statistics. There are. And then there are days where I was like, oh, these are statistics. Why would they lie? And there are days where I'll sit down and I'll have like a lengthy discussion, maybe online, like I'll engage someone online or at a cafe about how the government is actually lying and there is no COVID and they're trying to trick us into submission for some grand scheme because of the Rockefellers and, and so on and so forth. I mean, and, and I don't do this out of some kind of, uh, like I'm not mocking the people I'm talking to. I mean, sometimes, sometimes there's some mockery but for the most part i'm curious i'm curious to know what is it they believe why they believe it how did they get here are they just disenfranchised have they been radicalized because something happened to them there's always there's always an explanation for everything and i don't mean only for people's beliefs but also for why people do things and that those people are included when i when i say people i mean the government also uh the one thing that i always i mean that i always come across when i get into these like deep discussions about, especially with COVID now, about, you know, they're doing it to us. They, they want us to be home. They want us to be this. They want us. Why? Money. Okay. How? I w like, there's always another question. There's always a follow-up fucking question. Okay. It's never just, oh, it's money. I mean, it is money to some extent. Like, 
I'm more of the school of thought and I'm more of the mind frame or whatever the expression is. I don't know what I was trying to say there. I'm more of the belief. I'm going to stop trying to say I'm more of. I believe more. Wow, I, I've really set myself down a very strange path here. What I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is it makes more sense to me. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. It makes more sense to me that a crisis arose and corruption ensued because of opportunity rather than a crisis was manipulated into existence because of corruption, right? And I'm not saying that corruption didn't, you know, push, push the boat over the edge to us ending up in a global pandemic, because let's be serious, there is tons of corruption that has been, you know, red flagged or whistleblown or whatever you want to call it. And, and I'll give you one specific example about how a little bit of corruption led to a global pandemic. The lab that had the samples where they believe there may have been an outbreak of COVID, not the, I'm not saying a lab created COVID, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that COVID, as we know it today, was in animals. And I remember reading this report, I think it was the Washington Post, I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't remember where it was, it was a while ago. Basically, there was a massive outbreak 27 months ago, I guess, from now, like from the day I'm, uh, I mean, when I read it, it was like a year and a half. So anyways, before COVID became COVID, there was a massive outbreak in a lab in Wuhan, the, that, that famous lab. And a bunch of diplomats, American diplomats, wrote a bunch of communiques to Washington saying, hey, there's been a containment issue here. A bunch of people got sick. Now, granted, we don't know if it was COVID, but it's very similar, uh, an upper respiratory kind of problem. And, and they were ignored. Nobody did anything. They basically said the conditions here are not good. Containment is bad. It, it's a fucking mess here. No one did anything. Now, who's to say that if they had done something, we could have stopped COVID before it ever became a thing, right? So how is that corruption? Corruption is there's a bunch of fucking politicians in Washington making really fucking trumped up salaries who have very simple, they have a simple task. I mean, in its essence, it, I mean, they do a lot of things, but in its essence, it's very simple. The job of a politician is to make sure that all the wheels of government that interact with his wheel in within the government is always turning for the best interests of its constituents, of citizens, and the safety of others, right? I don't mean safety only physically, but I mean, you know, financially or just safety so that you can have a safe and secure life. Um, they seem to understand this, uh, in air quotes, when it comes to invading places that need freedom. That's fine, sure. But you have something like this, fucking someone's blowing a whistle saying there's shit going on here that should be taken care of, and nobody does anything. I mean, could it be... Not corruption. Maybe it was just it fell through the cracks of a broken bureaucracy. I mean, that's possible too. But I mean, that's paramount to corruption, in my opinion. Because if you're getting paid to do a job that you're not doing because the bureaucracy is broken, I mean, technically, aren't you getting money for nothing and taking money from tax dollars? Isn't that corruption? It's an oversimplification, but I mean, in essence, yes, right? I mean, I, I believe it is anyways. So when, when you hear shit like that, it's really easy to understand how people can go fucking bananas and just stop believing everything. I mean, even I, sometimes I have conversations with people. I have, I have a bunch of different friends, right, with different sets of beliefs. My friends who don't want the vaccine, I understand why they don't want it. I mean, I do. I truly do. I get it. I'm vaccinated. I got vaccinated. It was a decision I made. 
I'm glad I had the decision, the ability to make a decision. I wasn't forced, but it's the decision I made. Uh, if I was 55 years old, in good health, with no young children, I may have fucking, I don't know, I may have waited it out a bit and said, let me, let me wait till the second round of vaccination. Let's make sure this is safe or, I don't know, just for my own. I would have taken my chances because no one was directly relying on me. But because I have young children, I don't have that luxury. So I'm not fucking around. And I'm going to do what, I mean, I should be able to do. And I hope that I am able to do, which is trust the government that I elected. I mean, I didn't vote for them, but you know what I mean? Uh, and say, they tell me it's safe. I'm, I'm going to fucking do it. Uh, did I do my own research? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. But I'm not a fucking doctor. I've read a ton of fucking medical journals at this point. I only understand half of what I read um, for the most part. I read a very, very lengthy, very fun, like 40 pages report on mRNA vaccine technology. This is before Pfizer had been approved because I thought it was interesting. It was published three and a half years ago because, I mean, this stuff's not new. They've been fiddling with it for a while. Um, and it seemed like an interesting concept. Uh, my takeaway as a layman who doesn't understand medicine and has a very rudimentary understanding of science and biology is that, well, this kind of technology opens the door for other treatments. It wasn't just about vaccines. I mean, like, we're talking cures for cancer and all kinds of cool stuff. Not because we can inject mRNA, but because we can actually isolate it and do stuff with it and create versions of it. That's what's interesting. I mean, the fact that they're giving it to us, that's, I mean, that's of lesser importance here. Here they're using it as an immune response, right? Instead of using live virus or attenuated virus. Uh, what's cool is that we can actually make mRNA. That's fucked. I mean, this one, it doesn't actually do anything on like a cellular level. It's not like getting into your DNA and making it through the cell membrane and like saying, okay, look, now we have hair, poof, you have hair or no more cancer. It's not doing that, but no, there's no one saying that, you know, 10 years down the line, as we advance, we won't be able to do that. So that, that's pretty fucking cool. Terrifying also, but cool. I mean, uh, as a lover of sci-fi, I mean, there's always a trade-off, right? Uh, there's a trade-off. So if you want progress, you're going to have to it's like with the internet. You want, we want progress. We want faster speeds. We want access to everything. We want to be able to do everything online. But we also want our privacy. I mean, maybe there is a world where we can figure out how to have privacy and access, like full-on unfettered access like we have now. Unfettered access, sorry. Um, but we're not there. Right now, there's no privacy online. Even if you think you have some kind of privacy, you have no privacy. And uh, those will be the data wars of, of our generation. Like once the pandemic... It's kind of gone to the wayside. We're going to enter into the data wars. Like we were already heading there. And like, I mean, with what happened with, uh, what was it called? The whole Facebook thing, Oxford, Cambridge Analytica. Sorry, I was thinking of AstraZeneca. <laughs> um, like we saw the beginnings of it and it's not done. Like we're, we're by no means are we out. Now with cryptocurrencies too and blockchain, blockchain technology is very promising for maintaining privacy. Uh, I remember about five or six years ago, I had done a, I was hired by this, this guy who came in from the States. I think he was from Washington State. I forget. This guy, David. He reached out to me online, uh, said he found my website. He needed a second shooter uh, for a convention. Okay, whoa, whoa. Out of context, that sounded weird. He needed a second video camera shooter to help him cover a convention. Um, and the, it was, I forget the name of it, but it's like one of the biggest crypto conventions 
one of the biggest ones. I really can't remember the name at all right now. And like we met, uh, I mean, our job was to basically sit and film while the guy who was hosting these videos uh, interviewed high, like high profile crypto guests. I mean, like I met the, uh, the founder of Ethereum. I met uh, one of the first guys to make like serious coin from Bitcoin. I met a bunch of guys who had founded other cryptocurrencies, which were nothing at the time, even Dogecoin, like that guy was there. And he, I remember him talking about how it was a joke and a bunch of stuff. So it was interesting. And they, for the most part, they explained blockchain and crypto in excruciating detail because it was also an educational thing. I'll be honest, I only understood a part of it. Uh, I, like, I still don't fully understand the concept of a non-fiat currency. Um, I've been offered to be paid over the years in crypto, uh, before crypto was crypto, when it was just like this random token on the internet. Um, I did say no to Bitcoin once years ago. Am I kicking myself? Yeah, I mean a little bit, but I've said no to a lot of fake currencies and aside from Bitcoin, none of them ever did anything. Like I remember this one guy wanted me to make a video for this. Uh, I don't really know how to, it's like a commune, alternative government commune in Montreal. There's a few of them. This one was called Joatu, the, Draco, the Jack of All Trades Union or something. And he offered to pay me in Joatu dollars. And I was like, what the fuck are Joatu dollars? He's like, well, you can use them within our economy. I was like, I don't understand. He goes, like, in-game tokens. I was like, okay, what do you guys have? He goes, well, basically, I, I mean, I won't verbatim repeat what he told me, but they were a bunch of fucking hippies. I mean, the, at most, I could get a haircut with my Joatu dollars. I said, no, I, I take money, real money, not Monopoly money. And uh, guess what? Ten years later, Joatu dollars are still worth fucking nothing. So that's why I don't kick myself in the ass. I mean, it would have been nice to be a Bitcoin billionaire now because, I mean, the amount of money that we're talking about, I would have been fucking rich. Um, but you live and you learn, right? Uh, I'll be a little bit more open to it in the future. But all these things, like all these random, this random sequence of stuff that I've talked about now, you don't know, right? That, that's kind of the overarching thing here. You don't know. We get lied to often. The media sensationalizes things because it makes them money. Because the more scared you are, the more worried you are, the more concerned you are, the more likely you are to click on things. And then you, you can collect ad revenue and your data, right? So it wasn't actually as non sequitur as it seemed what I was doing. Um, like it's all connected, data, privacy, money, government. I mean, it's all the same thing, right? And at the same time, if you think about it, that doesn't really feel like a conspiracy. It just feels like, uh, I don't know. I mean, to me, it feels like capitalism on overdrive without any checks and balances right, to maintain freedoms. Uh, and I'm not saying that capitalism is inherently a bad thing, but bad things can happen within capitalism. Like, when you stop caring about people and people become numbers to you in the quest for more capital, I mean, then, then bad things can happen. That's not capitalism's fault. That's our fault. That's people's faults. Now, what do those checks and balances look like? I mean, no matter how many times I try to figure it out in my head, I always end up in a place where government is overinflated and then they don't do their job either. And I mean, that's basically socialism. So I'm not saying that one system is better than the other. It's just that one system screws a majority, right? I mean, capitalism does kind of screw a majority, but that majority still has a chance. They're st they still have a horse in the race, you know? 
it's that 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 American kind of lifestyle that like that that uh, that anything can be achieved, uh, the land of opportunity and all that. Uh, and I'm not even sure if that's true anymore, given the state of the world and the economies of the world. Uh, whereas in socialism, you don't you're not excluding everyone except anyone who works harder than someone else. I mean, they're at a disadvantage because why would you? So it takes away. So what I'm trying to say is, even though in both systems people get screwed, majority of people get screwed. One gives you the impression that there's hope, whereas the other one punishes you for hoping. And neither of those statements are actually true. It's just an impression that you get, right? And because of that, you have people who just pick sides and they fight with each other. I mean, most of the people screaming on Twitter at fucking marches, at anything, they have no fucking idea. Like, if you try to have a, an actual political discourse with them, and I'm not saying I'm any better. Maybe I'm a little better because I won't fucking do that. Like, I won't yell on Twitter and start a, like a random argument like that. But they don't, they don't fucking know. They just pick the team. It's like, okay, uh, my dad the other day, my dad. I walk into my dad's house uh, because we're moving in there, so we're like trying to figure out how we're going to do stuff. And I look in his closet, like he has like a sliding door closet, and my dad, my dad's a stuff guy. He loves stuff, like cool stuff. He always, always had cool stuff. I was like, where's dad's drawer when I was growing up? And I see this like novelty soccer team mug, yellow and black. It's an AEK Athens soccer cup. I'm like, why do you have an AEK Athens? He goes, I'm AEK. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, that's my team. I'm like, you don't, I've never seen you watch soccer my entire life. Not once. That's my team. What are you talking about? I was like, okay. Nothing wrong with that. That's his team. I mean, I have a Greek soccer team too that I, fo that I follow. That I, when everyone asks me, I say them. But really, I mean, I don't fucking know what's going on with them. Uh, it was an arbitrary choice I made a long time ago because I thought green was cool. That's literally it. And a few times I thought to myself, should I switch teams? This logo's cooler. Like, it's an arbitrary choice. And I feel like a lot of people today, that's how they pick their fucking political affiliation. Uh, when I was young, like very young, teenager, just right before I started being able to vote, I thought the Conservative Party was the fucking, the bee's knees, as they say out in Alberta. Later on, I, I was, I supported the NDP. Uh, the Liberals, I mean, I never supported the Liberals. The Liberals, to me, are very obvious what they are, which is not Liberals. They're neoliberals, and they're the most dangerous kind of people. Um, but I switched allegiances as I gained information, as I gained life experience, and... I mean, now I, I don't support either of them. I mean, any, it's this idea that you need to follow someone, right? I mean, it's always been very confusing to me. Everyone wants to be part of a team, part of a gang, part of, a, part of something, right? And I mean, you see it in its most obvious form in, in teenagers. Like, that's when it's, it's most obvious, and it's, mo and it's also the most forgivable, I would say, because they're just trying to figure shit out. I remember... It's a random fucking story now. When I, I, I went to a private Greek elementary school, um, everyone in my school, my, I mean, except for a few, ex, like, few kids, were either Greek or half Greek. I mean, that's not the case anymore for that school. It's since opened up to anyone who wants to go learn Greek. Um, but when I was there, that's how it was. I didn't know very many kids who weren't Greek, and that was that. Just that was the world I lived in. Yeah, excuse me. So when I got to high school, uh, I didn't go to a high school that anybody else from my elementary school went. And I, I don't really know why, 
Uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a fine school. It was a public English immersion school. Um, I went to Royal Vale. I mean, if anyone's curious. Go Dragons. I think they were called the Dragons. Um, n no one was there. I mean, there was one kid who I was actually friends with, like, throughout high school, who had left primary school earlier on, like he was taken out, and put into the primary of Royal Vale. Uh, so then he continued into high school. So I knew him a bit. We also lived near each other, like we were from the same neighborhood. Um, and again, my neighborhood didn't have very many Greek people, so we all kind of knew each other. Like I didn't grow up in the, the, the Greek hubs of, of Quebec, like Shawmity or Park Extension or Ville Saint Laurent or whatever. Um, so all of a sudden there was all these kids who weren't Greek. And I mean, that alone was a bit of a culture shock for me. It was strange. Uh, not that I was with kids that weren't Greek, but the fact that I was now being asked questions as though I was the ambassador for all Greek Canadians. Um, and for those of you who know me, like I don't fall into the stereotypical life cycle of a Greek Canadian. Like we don't, I don't come from restaurateur stock. Like that, that classic, that idea you have of Greek Canadians, the, the cheeseburger, cheeseburger, that skit from SNL, like they all had diners and the restaurant. Nobody in my family has a restaurant. Nobody. I think my grandfather had one at one point, but he was really shitty at it. And that was before I was born. My dad, sure, he had worked in restaurants as a teenager, but he never had a restaurant. Um, and my parents are not even from Greece. They're from here. Like when people, when I joke that we're from Codenej, which is the neighborhood I grew up in, I'm not joking. I'm serious. That is where my parents were born. Uh, my grandparents immigrated. So... The idea that I now became like an ambassador for everyone uh, became silly and I would get asked all these questions and it was very confusing to me and the idea of how people perceived us became very fascinating to me. It also ostracized me and made me feel very different and not feel like I could fit in easily. And I remember the first year of high school because again, not only was I one of the only Greek kids, um, all these kids had gone to like primary elementary school together. I was new, me and a handful of other kids. So like, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have some, like, I didn't have history with anyone. I didn't, I had to now find a place. And I would argue that I probably never truly did. I mean, I had friends in high school. I had my little group of friends, uh, but I never really, like, I don't think back to high school as like, uh, you know how some people have a oh, high school was the best. I mean, I don't remember high school that way, but I also don't remember it as being that bad. It was just like something that I did for a while. It, I mean, I had some fun. I had some shitty times too. Um, but it just, it was what it was. I wasn't, I never found like a group. And I think after a while, I mean, within the first year of high school, I think I just stopped looking. I had whatever friends I had. They, they were all separate. They were from different groups. But I never found like my group of friends to feel like I was part of something. I didn't play sports. Uh, I'm trying to think if I did any group activities in high school. I mean, aside from like drama club and stuff, because uh, I liked, the, I was into that. And even them, they were, most of them were fucking weirdos. So like, <laughs> they, we, we didn't like, we didn't hang out outside of class. Uh, it was just drama. We did drama. We did some plays. I mean, I also went, I continued Greek education on the weekends. And those kids I had as a, like a continuum from primary school. So I had history with them. These were my friends. Like for all the, eh, of everyday high school, on the weekends, I reigned like it was great. I, I was popular and I had lots of friends and everyone in the other grades knew me and I loved that. 
So, I mean, maybe that's why I stopped looking. Maybe, maybe now looking back on it, I, it wasn't that I stopped looking. It's that I already had something. I had a group. I had a team. But it was almost thrust upon me. I never had a choice. Uh, and as I got older and I started to meet Greeks from Greece who were coming here to study, my perception of my own, like, uh, not racial, but my own ethnic identity started to change a lot because I realized that how we were here was not how they were there. And we were almost in a state of arrested cultural development. Like, we were as, as we were when the first of us came. Whereas in Greece, like, I mean, the culture continued to evolve. I mean, culture is a fluid thing. So it was always very interesting to me. And uh, identity has always been one of these things that I, that I think about. And identity, not only, I don't mean, like, Greek identity or white or black or whatever. I just mean the idea that we all want to be part of a group. And I guess I've always had the group, and it's a big part of my identity, whether I wanted it or not. I mean, I'm not upset about it or anything. I'm just saying... Maybe that's why I never went to, like, I never went to seeking, to uh, sucking? What's the word I'm looking for? I never sought something else. Uh, so maybe I'm not as enlightened as I fucking think. I just, I had what I needed. Uh, but, but that's the thing. People want to be a part of something and they want someone to follow. And like I said, in high school, just like me, just like everyone, we go through this phase. But then, like, I turn on the news, not like the mainstream news, like Twitter feed, because they, they didn't cover this. There was a massive protest here over the weekend uh, against the, the COVID measures, right? And I understand that people are pissed off. I'm fucking annoyed too. Like the curfew's dumb. Like let's just get out of the way and say it. But it's this guy. We, I've talked about him on the morning show where Pantelis and I got into a bit of a like debate about, his, about him. Not whether he was right or not or whether he had the right to say what he was saying. And his name is Chris Skye and he's an Italian-Canadian, I think, from like... Vaughn, Ontario. I did a little bit of research and see who the fuck this guy, this guy was. Excuse me. Fucking bubbly water gets me every time. So this Chris guy character, he's the son of a successful developer. They have a big company and all of a sudden everyone thinks he stands for their rights. I mean, I don't even need to know anything about COVID. When you listen to this guy, it is so obvious. I mean... If everyone's like, yeah, but he's so charismatic. He's not fucking charismatic. You know who thinks he's charismatic? People who aren't charismatic. That's that. like, I was listening to this guy speak. And I mean, I can understand why people think he's charismatic. But like, just because you say a bunch of things in sequence. Okay. That are true. Doesn't mean that your conclusion, which is not drawn from any of the things you said into that megaphone. It's true. I mean, he has tattoos and he swears, so people are like, he's an everyman. Doesn't really seem like he's an everyman based on his background, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, like, Lord Byron fought in the Greek Revolution, and he was a rich fucking buttered-up boy. So, I mean, that's a poor translation from a Greek expression. It's not what you think. <laughs> it just means he was well off. Um, so this guy now, like, everyone's banding behind him because people crave someone to band behind and then you have people who band behind trudeau i think they called him true anon in the states that was pretty funny actually i laughed but trudeau doesn't know trudeau hasn't done anything i mean the government does stuff trudeau's the face of that sure but i mean here's a guy who gets so caught up in like identity politics which i mean have their own significance and place in the social discussion but there's a fucking pandemic going on 
No, you don't need to stop to let us know how woke you is, bro. And, and that's what's going on right now. Like, because everyone wants to follow something, and everyone wants to be a part of a group, and because, and from that, you get this victimization culture, of uh, the culture of victimhood, right? Uh, where I can speak about something, I can talk about something, not because I've experienced it. Because obviously, I, and I, I want to make this very clear, I will not tell you about the plight of the black man. I mean, I can tell you what I think it's like, but I, didn't, I never lived it, okay? That, and that doesn't make me a victim. It makes me someone, and I don't mean me, I mean the person talking. That makes you someone who has experience. You're speaking from experience. The problem now is if that experience was not negative, no one cares, right? If you weren't victimized by another group, then how could you speak about the future? You need to have struggled and had adversity. And that part is okay. You need to have struggled in your life. You should face adversity. But if we're not allowed to say anything anymore and everyone needs to get whatever they fucking want and not have to work for it anymore, then where's the adversity? Where, like, who's going to supply victims to this new culture of victimhood in 10 years? Right? I, I look at my kids and my daughter whines sometimes because she thinks something is an unfair or unjust or she doesn't like it. I mean, she's four and a half. And I tell her, that's, that's just, that's too bad. Like, you can cry about it or you can do something. And I'll give you an example. She, her sister bit her. Her sister was a baby. I mean, in all fairness, my little one is almost as big as the older one. So like when she, when she hurts her, it hurts. But she's a baby. She doesn't know the difference. She's not even 18 months old. Uh, she literally is a baby. So she says, I don't like when she bites me. I said, so don't let her bite you. Yeah, but she won't stop, and I want to play there. Well, look, you have a force that is endangering your ability to be there. You cannot control this force. This force is a baby. It's like the rain or a hurricane or, or, or lava, whatever. My daughter's afraid of lava. Um, you can't control it. All you can do is control what you do. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, don't go there while that force is there, but I want to go there. Well, if you want to go there, you need to be okay with getting bit. Now, what's, what, what am I trying to teach her here? I'm trying to teach her that there's certain things you can't control. Not that if someone tries to hurt you, like if uh, I'll use the, the most current, socially current example, um, not because like, okay, I'm black, so I won't get hired, so I won't apply. I don't mean that. That's not what I'm trying to say. That's not the example I'm trying to draw. I'm just saying, in this example, the baby is a force of nature. We cannot control nature. We cannot control other people, but we can control how change is implemented in society, right? And that's a lot of the movements that are happening right now. But some of them, what are, you, what are we fighting for at some point? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? Like, you look at what happened. There was a, a Greek police officer. And obviously, I only know this because I'm Greek, and it came across my news desk, let's say. My dad actually told me. Uh, a traffic cop in, in Brooklyn or, or somewhere in New York, New York City, like one of the boroughs, was murdered. I mean, it wasn't really murder. It's more manslaughter because it doesn't seem like it was intentional. But it was a drunk driver. He was diverting traffic from another stop. Another, Sorry. He was diverting traffic from another accident that was a pileup. And a drunk driver, a young woman, mowed him down. He is dead. He has two young kids, about the same age as mine. He was probably my age. Uh, I forget his, his name right now. I think it was Sakos, his last name. So by all accounts, super nice guy, 
fucking neighbors loved him. People loved working with him. The people he policed liked him. Fucking tragic. It was on the news for like two seconds. Now, my dad tells me the story and says, did you see? It was a young black girl who was high and drunk who made threats online that she was going to go out and kill a police officer. So I was like, holy fuck, that's, that's madness. I need to look into this. Now, he's only half right. It was a young black girl. She was drinking and smoking the marijuana earlier during a podcast. Okay? In that podcast, I don't know what she said before she said the statement I'm about to say, and I don't know what she said after, so I have zero context. Zero. But she said, fuck the police. We're not afraid of the police. We don't give a fuck about the police. Fuck them. Fuck their wives. Fuck their kids. Fuck their mothers. Uh, maybe I overdid it a bit, but that's more or less what she said. Now... I see that and I see someone who fucked up because if they were going to go drinking and driving, which they shouldn't have been doing anyways, they shouldn't have been fucking their running their mouths while they were doing it visibly on a camera. That's stupid. That's one thing. But I didn't see someone targeting the police. Does she have a history of disliking police? It seems like she does. Is this a George Floyd, an inverted George Floyd says, no, it's not. And I mean, I, I saw a lot of people trying to make that analogy and see how the mainstream news isn't showing it because it doesn't fit their narrative. I mean, they're probably not showing it because it doesn't fit their narrative because it's a young black girl who actually is guilty of a crime, who actually did cause bodily harm to an officer and so on and so forth. But I mean... It's a question you have to ask yourself. Are they not showing it because it's not that interesting? Are they not showing it because it doesn't fit the narrative of the times? Are they not showing it because, I mean, this poor man's family is grieving? There's a lot of things. There's, I mean, all of these things lead back to, like, this idea of being part of something. And, I mean, as people, it's, it's what we all crave, I guess. I like to sometimes believe that I don't. I do. I make myself believe that I say shit like, I don't give a fuck what people think about me. And I don't want to be a part of anything. I just do my own thing. But it's not true. I mean, deep down, and not even deep down, like a little bit under, I know that's not true. Right? If I really didn't give a shit what people thought of me, I wouldn't fucking be talking on a camera. I mean, to some extent, the act of podcasting, although it's very cathartic and I enjoy it, it's ego too. Like every time I don't do it, because I had something to do, I'm always like, ah, because I like the likes. I like the engagement with people. I like that people see me say, doing something and are like, oh, it's cool. I'm going to watch this. Like that's ego. That's pure ego. And there's nothing wrong with that. The only thing that, that could be wrong with it is if you're doing it for pure ego, like all of us do, and then you fucking lie to yourself. Like it's not for pure ego. Like you're doing it as a service to your fellow man. Like fuck off. Fuck you very much. Like that's not what's happening. Uh, like let's, let's, let's call it what it is. Like, I like being on camera because I like being out there. I like being heard. I like being seen. I believe that I'm intelligent enough that the things I say merit being heard by other people. That is my ego. I have no idea if I am that smart. So as long as you're aware of those things, you're fine. You'll be okay. I mean, even I slip into mad, mad, crazy director, super ego territory. Uh, there's a few people who can tell you great stories about when when this head got way too big for its own fucking shoulders and like I went full metal like uh, fucking crazy especially it's happened on set a few times where like my ego just gets the best of me um and hasn't happened in a long time now that I think of it uh, maybe I've grown I've matured 
I don't know. Uh, one of the people who can tell you great stories about me going fucking nuts on set is my friend Peter. Um, and I'm going to talk about this very briefly because, uh, I mean, I'd love to say I'll get back on topic, but I don't really know what the topic was anymore. I've just been talking about shit, so sorry. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, so Peter, uh, the three movie posters behind me all share Peter's name. Actually, in that first one right here, the black and white one, that's Peter in the, in the movie poster, right? Ooh, where am I? I'm, it's, so, it's all mirrored. I'm right there. That's Peter. He's on the cover of, uh, he's on the movie poster for Sudocracy. He was the protagonist in all three films. Um, he was also my co-director on one of them or two of them. Peter, if you're watching this, I'm sorry. I can't remember if you co-directed 1501 with me. I'm trying to read the poster. Uh, he, he produced all three with me. He co-directed one of them with me. He wrote, he co-wrote two of them with me. Um, that's, yeah, that's where we're at. Peter is the reason I went to film school. Peter's, I mean, even if Peter slapped me in the face one day randomly, I'd still owe him too much to be mad at him. Like, even when he annoys me, like, I remember that without Peter, I would have never gone to film school. And, uh, I mean, that's arguably one of the best decisions I ever made in my entire life. That's how I feel today. Some days I feel differently. <laughs> but, um, so I owe him that. And, I mean... I mean, I'm not going to get more into, like, I'm not going to get emotional about it or anything. I'm just saying. Um, so me and Peter have done a lot of really interesting projects together over the years. And we used to do it under a banner that we was easy enough to remember. We liked it. It was Balabanos and James. That's Peter's last name. It's not really, but whatever. Um, and Peter has seen my outburst. But now Peter and I have been talking recently about maybe starting another show. I probably will be really, we're going to do it. That much is certain. We're figuring out how and the how and what's it going to look like and all that stuff right now. Um, and it's going to be entertainment-based, like around movies, but not not like, uh, well, this week in the movies, like we're not going to do something stupid. Like, I don't want to do anything that's been done like and overdone. We're going to try and find an, an interesting angle and fill a, a need for some kind of entertainment news and discussion. Um, that's interesting, obviously. We want it to be interesting. And uh, Peter and I have uh, an interesting dynamic. <laughs> like... Like, his, our egos definitely go at each other when we're in a conversation together. And it's, it's fun to watch. I, I've been told. I've never watched it as an observer. So we're working on that. I'm going to bring Peter on to film my whole probably next episode. So whoever does follow this, you know, fill my whole, uh, gets to meet Peter and kind of get... I mean, I have done uh, an interview with him before. I mean, we've done multiple for like festivals and stuff, but I mean, for my YouTube channel, you can find it. I think it's called Dichotomous, a retrospective where we talk about Dichotomous and you can kind of get a vibe of, of a younger version of me and Peter uh, from a couple of years ago in my old studio. If you really can't wait for whatever reason. Uh, otherwise, I'll bring him on and we'll kind of like, we'll probably end up having the type of discussion uh, that we'd be having on this new show. Let's call it Battle of Battles and James for now just so I don't have to save this new show all the time. So it'll almost be a test run. We're going to try some stuff out. It might be a weird podcast or it might be amazing. I really don't know because we're not sure how to go about this just yet. And COVID makes it a little trickier. I know Peter's getting vaccinated tomorrow. He's very excited. He's convinced everyone that he's essential, uh, including the government. So he's getting a shot. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, so that might change things going forward, especially in the summer months when the virus is not as, you know, everywhere apparently. Um, as far as 
that, I mean, I'm kind of excited. Like, it's been a while since... I remember the excitement when I started filming my hole and then the lull when... Because I'm doing it by myself for the most part, so it's hard to keep yourself motivated when you've... Like, there's no one counting on you. Like, the morning show, this just thing, those were different situations. I do miss this just thing now that I brought it up. I just... I don't see how it fits into our lives right now. And also, because of the type of content that we do on the morning show, like what more could we say in 10 minutes that we haven't done in two hours? Like we destroy every news story that we touch, Pantelis and I. Um, and anything that's left standing beside it shits all over. So uh, if you don't watch the morning show, by the way, you don't know what I'm talking about, over on Pantelis, Pantelis I mispronounced that so badly. Over on Pantelis Comedy, you can see uh, George, Pantelis, Poseidon, and I, that's three Ps and a G, Wednesday and Friday. Every Wednesday and Friday, at 10 a.m. on YouTube, on the Pantelis Comedy channel. Just Google Pantelis Comedy. You'll find it. Uh, we do the morning show. It's live. It's fucking weird. It's kooky. We do all kinds of crazy shit. And uh, we tell... Well, George tells you the news, and we, for the most part, mock him for being prepared and professional. Uh, but, it, no, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's people seem to really like it, and it's fun to do. So, uh, morning show twice a week. Film my whole back on schedule every Sunday. If you guys need some videos, if you need videos, if you found this because you were looking through my webpage and you were thinking about hiring me for a video and I've now terrified you, reach out anyways. Use coupon code TERRIFIED for 10% off. Uh, no, seriously, if you guys need uh, a commercial shot, any kind of video content, branded content, I mean, that's what I do. It's how I make a living. I like making a living and I would like for you to make a better living and my videos can do that. So reach out. Balabanos.com is where you can find more information about that. Watch my videos, see what's going on. And I mean, that's it. That's all. That, that's the end of Fill My Hole. Um, questions? No, obviously not. It's not alive. I mean, you know what? Questions, because I always join in for the, if you're here for the premiere and you're, this is happening right now, any questions for me? I'll wait. I can't answer them in the video. I'll answer them in the chat. I mean, I don't know what you expected. That's not how fucking time works. It's linear as far as we know. My name is Phil Balabanos. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for trying to follow my train of thought. I don't know that I even did. And I'll see you in the next video. my whole this podcast is available on youtube in its full video form if you're lazy and you don't want to google it and you don't want to search on youtube balabanos.com hit the podcast section you can subscribe directly to the rss feed there my name is phil balabanos and i'll see you next time